Well, it's good to be back in God's house this morning here at Porch Light Baptist Church. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. We certainly did. We had a great one. Lots of food. We've been eating turkey since Wednesday. We had turkey Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Made turkey salad Saturday and had, had, it, had that. So uh, it's, it's been good and uh, really blessed what the Lord blesses us with this, uh, this year. And I'm thankful for that. But uh, we're going to have a message this morning the Lord's been dealing with me on. Out of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, be taking our text from. Uh, we'll get back in Romans uh, sometime soon. Uh, we're still a little over halfway through Romans. We're getting there toward the end of it. But uh, we'll, get to, we'll get to that later. But uh, this morning I do have this message out of Matthew. And I believe the Lord will be... I'm going to be praying about him uh, giving me some Christmas messages coming up for the next few weeks. So uh, just keep that in mind. But uh, Matthew chapter 14, we taking our text from. If you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn there, please. Matthew 14, starting with verse 22. And here the Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth night of the watch, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid, and, be and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reading of your word today. Lord, help us as we try to preach on this. Lord, that you'll just give us uh, power, wisdom, boldness, and understanding today to be able to let your word go out and do what you want to accomplish. And we'll give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the events leading up to this portion of Scripture, if you look up there in the first part of this chapter, you'll find that Jesus had just recently heard about the beheading of his cousin and his friend, John the Baptist. And he was wanting to get away from things. He needed some time alone to, to pray and speak to the Father and, and just kind of unwind. And it had been busy for him. I mean, he's been going around preaching and teaching, performing miracles and all these things. And then this news comes to him, and, and he really just needs to get away. And uh, I understand that. There's times that you just need to get away from everything and everybody and just get with the Lord and be alone and so you can talk to him. And, and uh, you know, sometimes this world and uh, all the troubles and the work, um, the house, uh, ministry, everything just kind of gets all-consuming. And so you need a break. And uh, the Lord needed a break here. Uh, he's going away to, uh, to get away from things, or that's his intention. 
And so people were looking for him, though, because of the great miracle he just performed. If you remember, he had the 5,000 out there that he fed with fishes, performed that great miracle of feeding them. And after that happened, the people wanted to make him king immediately. They wanted to put him on the throne as king. And I'm sure this delighted the disciples. They probably thought, well, finally, this, this thing's getting to where we was expecting it. He's going to be put up as king, and we're going to be his royal subjects. And, you know, everything's just like we wanted. <laughs> but that's not what the Lord intended. It was not time for him to be king. And him knowing the thoughts of the people, the Bible tells us, says that he knew the thoughts and the intentions of the people. And he needed to get his disciples out of there as well. So as our opening text says, it's he constrained them and got them on a ship to go before him on the other side. You see, they're going over on the other side toward Capernaum from where they're at over there. And so they, he's trying to get them isolated so that the people are not, you know, they're not caught up in all this frenzy of the people. Uh, and so while he, they're out there on the ship, he's going to go up there on the mountain and pray. And there's one thing that you, you understand from reading the Bible is how compassionate the Lord Jesus is, how much concern he has for people, even in the times that he needs rest. Um, he don't get any. He instead helps the people. He, he, you know, he, he feels for them. He, his heart goes out to them. Even when he looked out on all those people at that one point, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And uh, it, it, it made him sad. And so he has great compassion for people. He's always caring and compassionate for us. And uh, so after he did all this, this teaching the multitudes, and it had gotten very late, fed all the people there, uh, the Gospel of John uh, tells us that because of this, the people were going to force him to be king. And so that's where we pick up. Look at verse 22 again. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him under the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So there's a few reasons for this. Like we've already said, this is to, one thing, it's not his time. Another thing, to protect the disciples from all of this that's going on. And, uh, you know, as we seem getting away, we find that there's a lot of times when pressures of life come on us, we try to immediately fight those or try to figure them out and battle them and all this. Sometimes we need to do what the Lord has done and just get away. Sometimes when life gets so overwhelming, the pressures get upon you and you feel like you're getting overwhelmed and you want to strike out or, or make a rash decision, some knee-jerk decision, the best thing to do is get away and uh, let the Lord just, uh, just speak to the Lord and let him guide you on that. That's the example we have from Jesus. Look at verse 23. It says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. So finally, he does get just a little bit of break here. Uh, he gets alone by himself. He's on the mountain, and we find him doing this often in the Bible. We find Jesus going off on his own and uh, getting with the Father, and seems like a mountain's a good place to go. I used to love to go up on House Mountain. I'd climb up there and uh, get on top. That's before it become a, a state park. Uh, back then, you just had to a small trail you could follow up through there. We would pull ourselves up by, by trees as we went up through there. Uh, same with Clinch Mountain. I used to go to Clinch Mountain. It's a lot steeper than House Mountain. You had to grab trees and pull yourself up the, up that thing. But when you get up on a mountain like that, it feels like you're the only person around. 
even though you can look out, like Jesus probably looked out, and he might have saw a few places out there around Jerusalem and such. But uh, up here on the house mountain, you can look out and see tops of houses and things. But even though you see some things like that, you still feel like you're by yourself. And it's just a wonderful feeling. And that's what's happened here. He's getting some time with the Father, and this would have, this would have been a blessed relief. And uh, he's practicing what he preached. In Matthew 6 and 6, he says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So we are taught from the Bible that we are to get away by ourselves and pray. Now, there's times we pray with other people. But uh, for personal prayer, the closeness with the Lord, we need to get away. Look at verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, if you underline things in your Bible, if you want to underline that phrase, for the wind was contrary. The wind was contrary, or contrary, is the way we say it around here. And that's what we've titled the message today, contrary winds. Contrary winds. Uh, that word contrary, it really in base form means the opposite of. That's the, the base meaning of it. It can mean the opposite in nature, in direction, or meaning, uh, perversely inclined to disagree or to do the opposite of what is expected or desired. And that's, that's what I like, that definition, the opposite of what's expected or desired. Uh, I've often been accused of being contrary. I often do things that's unexpected or desired of other people. Um, it's just the way I am. A lot of people are like that in this area. In East Tennessee, that word contrary is used a lot because we're contrary bunch of people around here. Uh, and I've heard that a lot in my lifetime. Despite the fact that most of the disciples, though, were professional fishermen, we find them out here on this uh, sea in, in unexpected conditions. There was no meteorologist around. There wasn't no Hezekiah Goldstein. It was, you know, the meteorologist at Channel 6 there in, in Jerusalem or whatever, given the, uh, the forecast. Uh, there was, from all indications, there was no signs that this storm was even coming. It doesn't look like it's been predicted. It doesn't look like they understood there was one coming. Uh, when Jesus put on the boat, I believe if there had been signs of a storm, they might have said, hang on a minute, Master. There, you not see the sky up there? If we get out in the middle of this sea, we're going to get struck by lightning. So from all indications, this come out of nowhere. Not expected. In other words, these contrary winds were the opposite of what was expected. And that's what we find in life. Things that we expect oftentimes don't happen or the unexpected happens. Uh, this past week we were there in our kitchen and something smelled weird. We, we kept kept smelling around. What in the world is that? It smelled like something burning. And it uh, went on for a little while. And, and it went away after a while. And then yesterday, or it was the day before, uh, it happened again. But this time we heard pop. And so we went to uh, investigating, and turns out our dishwasher had been leaking down into the electrical outlet beneath it and uh, nearly caught on fire. So, uh, you know, thankfully the breaker flipped. But uh, that was a dangerous thing. The Lord watched over us. It could have been a lot worse. Uh, we might have turned that thing on and left the house. We do that a lot of times. Turn the dishwasher on, leave, or go to bed with the dishwasher on. And the Lord watched over us. And, and uh, you know, that thing... Uh, we had to replace it yesterday. 
And so we wasn't expecting that. It was just kind of contrary. It's the opposite of what we were expecting. I had a day off. I wanted to enjoy my day off. It was, you know, it's rare that you get that. And uh, I didn't want to spend it working on a dishwasher. And so, um, like I said, despite the fact that these, these were fishermen that was used to things like this, this was different. This was a strong storm. And with it being unexpected, uh, you know, I, I'm imagining they're going around doing all the things that a, somebody would do on a boat when a big storm hit, you know, bat, batting down the hatches. Isn't that what they say? Maybe they were taking the sail down or uh, I don't know what all they have to do on a boat. When me and dad got caught out in his little bass boat, we about drowned. We just took off toward Dandridge with everything we got, and we barely made it there in time to get the boat up on the bank uh, to keep from drowning. But uh, these fishermen probably had everything, you know, they were supposed to be doing and doing it. But uh, it was, the Bible says they were tossed with waves, tossed with waves. And they're a long way from the shore. John, over in the Gospel of John, he tells us that they were five and 20 or 30 furlongs from the shore. And so that's, uh, that's about two and a half to three miles away from the bank. That's not where you want to be out in the middle of a storm that all of a sudden comes up. Look at verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. This fourth watch is between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock a.m. This is in the, you can call it the beginning of the day, but for us it's the middle of the night. 3 a.m. is the middle of the night for me. And uh, just think about this. Put yourself on that ship. It's early morning hours. You've been battling a storm. Uh, there's no telling how long it's been happening. It's dark. The winds are blowing fierce. It says boisterous. That means extremely fierce. It's raining. Most likely it's lightning. It's probably dangerous. And uh, they don't know what they're going to do. The waves are coming over the side of the boat. And from all indications, it looks like they're going to drown. And all of a sudden, here comes somebody walking on the water toward them. Look at verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "Is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. So suddenly these big burly fishermen are afraid. They're so afraid they cry out. That means they yelled, they screamed. You know, they, they were scared. And it says, the Bible, the Bible says they thought it was a spirit. In other words, a ghost. And there was a ghost walking on the water. Uh, now, for an average man to cry out in fear, that, that takes quite a bit. Uh, you know, I've gotten scared a lot of times, but there's only been, probably I can count on one hand how many times I've cried out in fear. And it's because it was something really, really extremely uh, scary. Verse 27, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now notice Jesus didn't have to tell him his name. He didn't say, hey, it's me, Jesus. No, all he said, he used his, his spiritual name or his, his eternal name, I. It is I. Over in John 5, or 8 and 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, was, I am. So Jesus takes that eternal name of God being the great I am, I that's all he had to say, and they knew who he was. The Bible tells us in John 10 and 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So the sheep hear the, the shepherd's voice. So Jesus walking there, all he has to do is cry out, I. He says, be not afraid. I love that little phrase, be not afraid. And you read that a lot of times in the Bible, and many times it's Jesus speaking. 
Be not afraid. Uh, we hear him saying things like, fear not. And so he's always concerned. This goes to show us he understands our fears and uh, the things that bother us. He already knows them. And he knows that we're fleshly. We're just mortal men and women. We're flesh and bone. And we have fear of the unknown. When something happens like that, it, it causes us to fear. But Jesus is always there to extend to us that peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And so he says, fear not. Fear not. Be not afraid. Look at verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I love to read things about Peter. Peter always makes me feel like I'm okay. You know? A lot of people you read about, and you can't you can't live up to it. Joseph, you know, uh, men like Daniel, I can't live up to that. Peter, I can live up to Peter, uh, just the way that he is. I mean, here's a whole ship full of men, and he's the only one brave enough to actually stand up and, and say something to a ghost walking on the water, you know? And he just asks, he says, hey, if it's you, bid me come out there on the water. Peter's always the first one to stand up, jump up, put his foot in his mouth, step off a boat, whatever it takes. He does it. And I like that because the Bible shows us that you don't have to be perfect to follow the Lord. He's not calling perfect people to him. And so he'll use anybody. And so he says, Lord, if it be thou. And some people want to give him a hard time because he's asking the Lord if it's him. And there's nothing wrong with asking. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 1 and 2, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Hereby know you the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So when any time you have questions or concerns, you know, ask. The Lord's not going to rebuke you for asking him. Look at verse 29. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, here we have a beautiful picture of the Lord, and we see this throughout the scripture, of his bidding of come. That's what he tells Peter. He says, come. That's, that's all he had to say. He didn't have to explain to him exactly what you need to do. Now, Peter, you go over to the left side of the boat and step out over on this side and do this and that. No, he just says, come on, come. Over in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. John seven thirty seven, he says, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Matthew nineteen fourteen, Jesus says, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And so it's always the Lord's bidding is for us to come. That's, that's all he's interested in us, is for us to come. Come, that's, his, that's his, always his call. And so what does Peter do? He steps out of that ship and stands on top of this raging sea. Remember, it's not the storm has not stopped. It's still boisterous. It's still contrary. The winds are blowing, and suddenly Peter becomes a hero. Steps out of the boat, stands on the water, and I'm, I'm sure all these guys back here huddled up that's shivering, you know, and shaking in, in, in fear, they see that and they're like, wow, Peter just steps out and stands on the water. And uh, look at verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. 
Now, this is another one of those reasons you can identify with the Apostle Peter. Uh, I mean, one minute he has complete faith in the Lord, enough faith that all Jesus says is come, and Peter says, all right, I'm coming. He steps over the boat and standing on the water. He has that much faith. Now, we know the, the Bible says you have little faith at times, but he has faith, enough faith, and all it takes is the grain of a mustard seed, by the way, the Bible tells us. And so we can see how we can relate to Peter, for at times he has this great faith, and he can do great things, step off a boat in the middle of the sea, three miles from the bank in a boisterous wind in this contrary uh, winds that's happening, and he stands on the water. But in the middle of his faith, his faith wavers because he gets distracted by the storm. You see what that is said there? He saw the wind boisterous. In other words, he started looking around. Instead of looking at Jesus standing out of the water saying, come, he starts looking at his surroundings. That's where we mess up. We, we get our eyes off of Jesus. We start putting them on everything around us. So that's drawing me here. That's drawing me there. That's worrying me. This is bothering me. And we, we stop looking at Jesus. We stop putting our faith and trust in him. We stop praying to him. We stop reading his word. And then we get distracted. We get over here and doing this and dabbling in that. And then we wonder why our lives fall apart. We wonder why we feel so bad. We wonder why we don't feel that spiritual connection anymore because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus, putting them on everything else. Peter is looking around. He sees the wind boisterous. Waves are crashing and everything. And he knows he's not, not like Jesus. He knows he's not able to walk on this water on his own. And so when that happens, he starts sinking both physically and spiritually. And so, listen, I'm not going to tell you I'm perfect. And there's nothing to be ashamed of to know that. I mean, that we're flesh. Peter walked with the Lord, was with him all the time, saw the miracles he performed, knew he was the very son of God. Yet even Peter, his faith wavered enough to where he began sinking. And, you know, the devil likes to distract us. You know, I'm not trying to give the devil credit for anything that you know, more than what he deserves. But listen, it's the truth. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 and 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So the devil is, is real. He's out there all the time. The Bible says he's seeking whom he may devour. And uh, if you remember that one point where uh, Jesus told Peter the devil was trying to sift him, and he'd love to sift all Christians. And that's what happens. The devil will distract us with things and get our a focus and attention off the Lord. And he loves that. But it's not just the devil that distracts us. It's our own flesh. It's our own flesh. We think about a lot of things. You know, we, we dwell on them. Uh, food. Uh, that's one of my big, big distractions is food. What are we going to have for supper? You know, I don't know. What are we going to have for lunch? I don't know. What are we going to have for breakfast? I don't know. No, I have the same thing for breakfast every day. I already know what I'm having. But uh, every every day, that's one of the big things. You know, what are we going to have? And so you can get distracted about that. And I'll start looking up recipes and watching cooking shows and everything else and get distracted from that. Or you may get distracted by other things. Um, sports, that's a big distraction. Yesterday, Ohio-Michigan played. And Michigan beat Ohio, and everybody was rejoicing, except for those that loved Ohio. Uh, but... Uh, Look, sports can get you distracted. 
the Vols played, Vols won, beat Vandy, going to a bowl game, and we can start getting all that and dwelling on all that that stuff and take our eyes off the Lord. And before you know it, you're you're out there and, and you're all involved in that. Uh, you know, entertainment, movies, music, all these things, while they're not bad things, they're still, they can distract you and get your focus off the Lord. And it will draw us from him. But do you notice that Peter, what his distraction was, was the storm. Now, a lot of us, many, if you're not going through a storm right now, you're going to go through one, or you've just come out of one. We all have to face these storms, these contrary winds blow, and they're not what we expect. Uh, and it always seems worse around this time of year, November, December, January, February. Those months right there are some of the toughest months for everybody. Uh, I know in our own personal family, December is when we start losing family members through death. My grandfather, Preacher Spencer, died December 1972. My granny Spencer, she died December 1992, just before our uh, oldest daughter was born. My great aunt Parley, she died December 1995. That was the year after we got married. Uh, my big sister Pam died December 20, uh, 2002. And so we know when December rolls around, we, we just wonder who's going to be next. And that sounds grim, I understand that, but it's just, it's just reality of life. These contrary winds blow in. While we should be able to enjoy things right now, family and friends, I mean, every Thanksgiving, my mind goes back to my sister Pam when she had leukemia and she was in the hospital and she couldn't eat nothing. And, you know, it was just, uh, it's heartbreaking. You know, and, I, and this time of year is when my dad went so far downhill and we had to start taking care of him uh, with for all of his needs. There it started in, uh, I guess, late October, November, December, January, and he died in February. And so this this time of year is hard on us. And uh, it's hard on a lot of people. I've been looking at the obituaries and seeing all these people that's passed away. I got friends on Facebook that's lost husbands and wives and children and everything else. And it's hard. One of uh, one of my friends uh, uh, that passed away, just uh, Phil Ledbetter, passed away just a few weeks ago. And his wife, she's still, she's devastated. And she keeps saying things like she just can't enjoy Christmas and can't do anything. And uh, when these things happen to us, we wonder, you know, how are we going to get through it? And, and it's rough sometimes. We feel out of control. And that's the problem with a storm. A storm cannot be controlled by us. God can control them. But our storms are out of our control, and we like to have control over everything. I'd love it if, it's, if it was raining and lightning, and I could go out there and say, get away from here and just... Watch the skies clear up. I can't do it, but God can. I'd love it when some bad news came my way and I'd say, uh-uh, turn around and go away. And that's not going to happen. And it go away, but it doesn't happen that way. And so the storms bother us. They cause damage, and we don't under, don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, I used to pastor a little lady. Her name was Ella May Hare. And if you knew her, you would know she was very afraid of storms. It was no secret. She she probably told everybody every time she talked to somebody. But she was a very, very uh, faithful woman. Loved the Lord. Um, good woman. She she lived in the house right up from my grandparents. And she reminded me a lot of my granny Spencer. 
uh, just sweetest woman you'd ever know, but she would get so worried and feel so helpless. She said she just felt helpless when there was a storm that come up there on that hill that she lived on. And uh, despite her strong faith in the Lord, she still would shiver in fear when contrary winds started blowing around her. Uh, listen, the storms of life will render us helpless. Um, and just like Peter, when he looked around and got his eyes off the Lord and saw those winds boisterous and those waves raging there, uh, he became afraid and started to sink. You'll find yourself afraid and starting to sink when those storms come. When those contrary winds start blowing in your life, you'll begin sinking. The difference in Peter, though, and the rest of the world and the lost is that Peter knew where to place his faith back. He knew when to take his eyes off of the winds and where to place them back on because he, he came right back to the Lord. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. See, the, the lost world don't, don't know how to do that. They don't have the Lord there for them. The lost, when they start sinking in the storms of life and the contrary winds are blowing, they have nowhere to look except for the world, for a, a bottle to drink out of, for a drug to take, for a pill to pop, for uh, whatever it is, uh, some relationship to, to indulge in. And that's what the world does. But as a Christian, we place our faith in the Lord Jesus because he's the one that can hold us up out of that storm, bring us up from that sinking feeling that we have and put us back to where we need to be. And so Peter cried out, Lord, save me. And it's a good thing that Peter wasn't a Pharisee, isn't it? He'd still be sinking right now. Oh, Lord, as I stand here and start drowning and sinking, would you not treat me like other men? But uh, he'd already be drowned. So listen, look at verse 31. It says, and immediately, not in a little while, the Lord didn't stand back and say, uh-huh, see, see what, what you get for not having faith. No, he didn't do it. It says, immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Don't, don't bypass that. He does have faith. It's just very little right now. And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Look, this was not the first time the disciples had witnessed Jesus calming the storm. If you remember, just a few chapters before this, was it chapter 8? Uh, they were out there in the, in the ship, and Jesus was down on the bottom of his asleep. And a storm hit, and they thought they were all going to die. And they come down there and said, You, you know, you're going to let us die? Yeah. And Jesus had to rebuke the winds. And after Jesus did that, in that point, the Bible says the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Indeed, what manner of man he is. There's only one man, the Lord Christ Jesus. No matter what you're going through, what kind of contrary winds are blowing, Jesus is in full control. Our problem is, we're like Peter, we have little faith. And... We have distractions that get our faith off of him, our focus off him on other things, and we start sinking and drowning. But we need to reach back out. Jesus is always there. What does he say? Come. Jesus is there to help him immediately. Not in a little while. And so you may be going through a storm right now. I don't know. There's a lot of people going through it. Maybe a physical storm is distracting you. Maybe a, a spiritual storm. Um... 
keeping you preoccupied. Maybe it's something in your job or your family, uh, your house. I mean, these houses, they'll wear you out. I mean, they fall apart. Where are you going to get the money to fix that? Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of things that keep us down. And uh, sometimes we feel like we're going to drown. We need to need to reach out for the Lord. All we have to do is be like Peter and recognize that the only one that can help us in these times of trouble, when these contrary winds start blowing, is the Lord Jesus. And with the faith, even a little faith, just asking, Lord, help me. And did you notice in verse 32, when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased? The winds didn't cease out in the middle of the sea when Peter was out there drowning. Jesus didn't just calm the storm immediately while Peter was on the water. He waited until they were on the ship. Then the wind ceased. So this just goes to show you that the Lord, he's going to take care of you no matter if you're in the storm or whether the storm's already passed or whether it's coming. He's always there for us. And uh, he saved Peter in the middle of that. And he'll do the same for us. He really will. We just have to remember it. Sometimes we, we forget, I think. I tell you what, this uh, this message not not the one that I intended to preach today, but the Lord had been dealing with me yesterday and today on, and I think I needed it. There's been a lot of distractions lately. It's really really got my focus off, and uh, I need to remember the Lord can help us with it. I, I don't think I'm the only one that way. Uh, with this Christmas season coming up, there may be a lot of people not knowing where you're going to get money to buy gifts for people, uh, you know, uh, it's understandable, but we just need to pray and ask the Lord to help us with it. Even if we don't, you know, even if we don't get money in the mail or whatever it is to, to buy a present, the Lord just help us with the feelings that we have over the, the sinking feeling that may come. And uh, he loves you. The Bible says to cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us and he'll do that for you. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the message today. Lord, I pray for those that's listening. Maybe they're going through these storms. Maybe these winds are contrary. Lord, and they're blowing, and they're blowing hard, and they don't know what to do. Lord, we just uh, we know that you love us, you care for us, and you can immediately help us if we'll only have enough faith, Lord, to just look to you for all we need. Lord, you know our pitiful condition. Lord, we're nothing but flesh and bone and blood. But God, I'm so thankful that you love us. Lord, that you sent Jesus here to die for us. I'm praying for that one right now that, that don't have you to look to. Lord, that you'll convict their heart and show them the need to be saved before it's too late. And God, when they go through these storms, when the contrary winds start blowing, they know where to look, who to look to. Help us with it, Lord. Even us that's been saved, God, for, for years that our minds don't become off of you. Our, our, our focus stays on you. And Lord, we'll give you praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.